Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Visibilities for a very interesting Thursday evening. Um, going to have some announcements near the end of our program, so be sure to hold on for those. In the meanwhile, I would like to give you people a bit of an update. Uh, I have been working with Jeff Tom and the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss Board of Directors, and we have developed a partnership that I am very, very pleased to be working with them on. And AAVL will be uh, co-facilitating or helping me put together a, one, of our show, one of our shows and call-ins uh, each month for the foreseeable future. And I'm looking forward to it. And I'm very, very delighted that this is happening. And with that, I'd like to introduce the president of Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss and a longtime friend, uh, Jeff Tom. Thanks, Terry. And I'm really thrilled and pleased that uh, you have given us at AAVL the opportunity to partner up uh, with these visibility shows. There's no question that there are more than sufficient topics uh, regarding seniors with vision loss uh, so that over the next few months, we hope to really give you some enriching hours uh, and some time to ponder uh, topics uh, and you know, if, if you have topics that you want to see, um, I'll throw out my email right now and you can get them to me or, you know, call into the office. I'm sure there are other ways, but my email is um, J-S as in Stephen, T-H-O-M at Comcast.net. And so um, we will we will be happy to receive whatever topics you might be interested in hearing about. Uh, so... Terry, if it's okay with you, I don't want to uh, waste any more time talking on on my own. I'd rather introduce our speaker for the evening, Please. if I might. So uh, tonight's topic is adult orientation and mobility. Uh, Valerie Campos received her uh, O&M credential from San Francisco State University, and which is definitely one of the top-notch programs in the country. And I say that for two reasons. Number one, because it's true. And number two, because my own daughter is finishing up getting her own M credential through that program. So I have to say that. Um, and Valerie currently um, teaches uh, adults in the San Francisco Bay Area. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Valerie to tell us a little bit about um, how adult O&M differs from the O&M you were used to getting as a child, and whatever other knowledge she wants to impart uh, about uh, the practice of teaching adults how to navigate in their environments. Valerie? Thank you so much, Jeff. Um, it's an honor to be talking with you this evening, and um, I really appreciate Jeff giving me the opportunity to talk about O&M um, and what Vista Center is offering, and especially what O&M is like during uh, COVID times, of course, that's changed quite a bit. Um, but I'm really interested to hear all of your questions. Um, and I'll give you a little bit of an overview of what I'm going to be talking about. So I'm planning to talk about 
O&M and how, yes, um, how it differs um, between adults and children and then O&M during COVID times and what that kind of looks like um, and how Vista Center is serving our clients during this challenging time. Um, and then also, um, you know, what it's like to come back to O&M if you are an experienced cane user um, and what that might look like. So um, right now during COVID, um, just, to, just to get into um, what that's like in terms of O&M right now, um, especially in the beginning when things were really uncertain, um, we did shift from direct client service to doing a lot of virtual wellness checks, um, making sure that clients were safe, they had everything that they needed, um, grocery delivery, you know, virtual instruction when that was possible. Uh, so everything kind of changed, um, as you might imagine. Um, and only recently did we begin to resume direct client instruction for adults. Um, so of course, taking into consideration many precautions, um, when we're working face-to-face with clients now, um, it can be challenging. Um, you know, for example, cited guide, that's not really possible at this time. So, you know, being very detailed in our description, um, on how to assist somebody, helping with navigation and orientation during lessons. Um, you know, it might take longer to get through lessons and, and maybe might be a little frustrating for some individuals um, without uh, human contact um, during lessons. But, you know, we're making it work. And um, so far, it's it's been working great. Um, and Jeff, do you have any questions about about O&M during this time that you want me to talk about? Yeah, well, you've started to talk about how it differs, but how effective do you think you just started to say it has worked great? Tell <laughs> us a little bit about the, the disadvantages and, and, the, uh, and the advantages that you have noticed since you've been you know, providing the service during this pandemic. Yeah. And I mean, I say great as in it's as great as it can be during this time. Um, orientation mobility is definitely a field where human contact is necessary to teach effectively and to keep clients safe, especially during street crossings. Um, so although there are some areas of O&M that can be taught virtually, O&M is really meant to be direct service. Um, so right now it's requiring um, a much higher level of description. And that may, again, result in longer, um, maybe somewhat limited lessons. Um, virtual instruction has been really great for re- reviewing concepts and taking more time to review concepts. So, for example, reviewing intersection analysis or, you know, role-playing different scenarios, um, working on orientation concepts. Um, that's actually been great because a lot of times we we don't have a lot of time to go over those areas in detail. So this is really allowed for more time to do that. Um, and also, you know, playing around with navigation apps, talking more about route planning, um, things like that. But yeah, like I said, O&M, it's really a hands-on field. Um, sometimes it's needed and, um, you know, it's challenging. We're doing our best. And again, like I said, it just requires another level of description um, way above what we're, we would normally do. Um, so yeah, I mean, so far so good. And, and, you know, it really depends on the client's level, um, how comfortable they are, um, 
resuming face-to-face lessons, a lot of people are very eager to get back out to learning and refreshing their skills. Um, and we are an essential, um, you know, organization. Um, so it's been good to get back. Um, yeah, so I can get into O&M instruction um, on how that differs from adults and how it differs from working with children. So um, it's different in that instruction um, for adults. It's based on the adult client's goals and their motivation for instruction. So it may be a it may be to learn a new route to work or you know a favorite destination. Um, and sometimes for, for uh, experienced cane users, it might be to review cane skills. It might be to increase their mobility um, or their safety or provide family um, training, anything like that. And for O&M instruction for students in this school system, it's based on the IEP. Um, and if you don't know what an IEP is, it's an individualized education program Um uh, which are goals, you know, determined by the O&M instruct- instructor in conjunction with parents and input from specialists and teachers and, and also the students' goals as well. Um, so it's really focused on uh, meeting those specific IEP goals. Well, let me ask a little different question. How do you think um, it differs when teaching uh, orientation and mobility in its broadest terms to an adult who um, has recently lost their vision, has, uh, you know, nothing but fear of, of being you know, visually impaired, um, you know, is going through all those, the isolation, as compared to a, to a child who might be whatever, seven or eight or whatever age, and who's open to anything, and, you know, who probably has a lot less fear of their blindness going Tell us a little bit about how that's different, how that, what problems that creates and how you deal with it. Yeah, definitely. Um, It definitely, there's a lot of resistance, um, you know, for an adult who has just lost their vision. There's a lot of fear, which is understandable. And it's our role as O&M instructors to first and foremost establish rapport and trust um, because without that, um, you're not going to build that relationship, that client instructor relationship, which is so important to be able to move forward and try challenging, um, new challenging things, um, and get to that point where, you know, at some point they're learning how to cross streets and, you know, which can be really overwhelming. Um, and so once, you know, you've established rapport and trust, you can then start talking about or starting small and starting with what's the most important thing um, that they need to be able to move safely and efficiently within their home, just outside of their home. And how can we help to make that um, easier for them and uh, to make them more comfortable with that? Um, But it starts small and it starts with, you know, building that trust and, um, you know, working towards a specific goal. So yeah, for, and for children, yeah, that can differ greatly, obviously. Um, they're definitely much more open to trying anything that (laughs) you tell them to try or or do. So, 
Uh, it's, it's definitely different and it can be challenging, but it's very rewarding because, you know, at the end of your training with a client and you get to see how far that person has come and to see them, you know, um, crossing streets, you know, two months later, a year later, whatever it is, it's um, very rewarding. So how do you deal with issues, uh, you know, such as a, a physical impairment, like maybe the person has balance problems or, you know, the person has perhaps even a, a small cognitive issue, you know, with, with an early, a little bit of dementia or whatever. How, how does a adult O&M instructor handle those types of things? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, first we would start by evaluating the client's needs, their goals, um, readiness, even if they've been a client before or they've had O&M instruction, we basically kind of start from scratch. Where are they now? You know, what are the issues they're experiencing? What are their goals? Um, you know, talking with family, what does the family feel, you know, needs to be evaluated in terms of safety? Um, so instruction may include educating family members on the best way to assist their loved one um, or to guide them. Um, it could be, you know, how can they use descriptive language um, to make life easier for their loved one if they're living together or um, they're visiting often. Um, and then even sometimes how to step back and allow their family member the space to practice their new skills. Um, and that might include doing some more problem solving. Um, so, but we can always adapt our instruction to accommodate the client's needs, um, which can change at any given time. Um, but it really depends on what we ass assess. Um, if there's balance issues, we might look at, you know, could a support cane help with that? Um, you know, maybe they need a referral for physical therapy. Um, it, it really depends and it, and it varies greatly. Terry, do you have any? I do. You still you stole two of my questions, but I think I can still come up with one or two. <laughs> I'm wondering about people um, who may have had some mobility, some O&M in years gone by. I'm thinking particularly like people who have had low vision for a number of years, but you know, through be it be, through aging or and. De developing losing some of what they had uh -huh. and um needing some additional uh maybe some additional uh, uh o m instruction um that kind of thing um as opposed to for instance maybe someone who has something like retinitis pigmentosa that they're um they're losing it but they still have some as opposed to a total sight loss. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how you get ab go about getting those people, I guess, to, uh, it, to me, it would seem as though the first thing they need to do is to accept that they're going to need to use mm -hmm. a mobility aid, mm -hmm. whether it's a cane or a dog or what have you. Um, and I'm wondering how you go about convincing people that for people not to get that, shame feeling, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, you are exactly right. Um, I think that's probably 
the most challenging aspect of my job, <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> is um, convincing people or clients that a cane would benefit them. So, you know, I really leave it up to them and I try to give them space to ponder that question and to think about it. You definitely don't want to push the idea of a cane too hard. Um, so I like to explain why it's, it would be beneficial for a person um, who has low vision or who has lost a significant amount of vision to use the cane. So I like to give the reasons why that is um, and then let them, let them think about that and let them come back to that. Um, and a lot of times they need a couple of months to think about it and then they'll give me a call. Um, and so I will go over, you know, the criteria for when um, somebody who has low vision should use a cane. And that might be poor detection of elevation changes, um, you know, not being able to detect obstacles, depth perception issues, maybe difficulty interpreting shadows. Um, so somebody might perceive a shadow to be um, some kind of obstacle or a possible elevation change. Um, uh, so if, if clients are having difficulty with these, you know, if I'm asking them, are you having difficulty with all of these? And it's yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, then I'll recommend a cane and I will say, this is how it's going to protect you. It's, it's going to be your eyes on the ground for you. Um, so yeah, sometimes I feel like a salesperson, <laughs> but, um, you know, I think the most important thing is giving that person space to, to make that decision themselves because it's, it's harder to teach when somebody feels forced to use a cane. Um, if, if they're not really wanting to do that, it makes life a lot more difficult. So they have to be ready. Yeah. I guess that's my question is how do we, how do people get ready? You know, and I think you've, yeah. uh, you know, your part of it is you obviously have a big chunk of that um, in teaching them and in, in con conversing with people about it and getting them to relate. Um, right. Trust has a lot to do with it. Not only the trust of it in not their own trust in what they can accomplish and their family's trust in what they can accomplish, but also their trust in you and that. And I think that's, um, it sounds like you do an excellent job of that. Oh, well, thank you. And I mean, it's, it's a team effort. You know, we have, at Vista Center, we have um, counseling, we have, you know, assistive technology, low vision clinic. So, you know, a client might feel more comfortable at the moment, you know, working with our um, technology specialists and, um, you know, that, that's a way in and they, they might feel more comfortable after they've worked, you know, on their technology and then they might come back to O&M. Um, and, and even counseling, we have great counselors and, um, you know, that helps a lot. Um, but yeah, it really, it really varies on when somebody's ready and there's no specific, um, way or path that somebody, uh, should go down to make them ready. It's, you know, very individual. Do you ever collaborate with, um, you know, culturally competent organizations to deal with. I mean, nowadays we have so many different 
um, cultures uh, who's who are involved in you know who are part of our country's you know, you know panorama, and you know some cultures more than others um, have difficulty in accepting you know blindness. Uh, all cultures seem to, but but some more than others. Do you ever work with um, you know? cultural organizations to try and deal with the family members or with the person themselves to, to help them out on their path? That's a really great question. Um, you know, I, I can't necessarily speak to that. Um, <laughs> sorry, kind of caught me off guard there. Um, I mean, we do, yeah, we do take, that into consideration. I mean, um, depending on somebody's culture, they might be more resistant to using a cane. Um, all we can do is, you know, do our best to provide that information, right. educate the family. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause oftentimes the key to the person is educating the family, isn't it? It is. Oh, absolutely. It's a very important part of it. I will tell everybody how to raise your hand. If you're on the computer, it's Alt-Y. If you are on your phone, it is star nine. If you're on the iPhone, down on the right-hand bottom, you see a more option, or you you hear a more options, and there is a raise hand and boy are they popping up so <laughs> so kathleen you may go ahead uh this is kathy gerhardt um hi, can you hear? hi uh i haven't gone through o&m myself um i'm got pretty pretty high low vision i mean but it could happen and i don't consider myself particularly um adept at direct at um Knowing where I'm going, directions, and um, a sense of direction. That's the word I'm looking for. But I've met, over the years, I've met people, and some people are really good at it, and others are not. And it seems like it affects their the mobility. Um, I've wondered if that's something that, can be learned or if you need to um, just have the real, a real will to overcome it. Um, That was my question. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for that question. That was great. Um, No, I mean, it's, it can be learned and um, it's a really, it's a tough skill to learn, to be honest. Um, So I understand exactly where you're coming from on that. Um, I mean, we teach a lot of strategies on how to maintain orientation, how to, how to become reoriented to your environment um, and how to like, the most important thing is, you know, how to maintain your orientation, Um, you know, stopping and assessing the situation. um, And, I always tell all of my clients this is that no matter what, don't panic. Um, because if you have panic and excessive anxiety and fear, um, it's gonna, it's gonna get in the way of your ability to problem solve. And the biggest part of O&M is problem solving. Um, like you can't, I always say like, you know, um, 
you're going, things are going to happen. You're going to veer, you're going to feel disoriented and that's okay. The most important thing is that you take the time to think through, you know, what you're doing, where you're at, you know, what landmarks are around you um, and assess the situation. Um, and so, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of strategies that we teach so that you feel comfortable with that, including, including different apps for GPS, um, learning the route multiple times, um, making sure that you always have your cell phone with you. Um, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Okay. Next is Penny Reader. You may unmute. So I actually have a couple questions. Um, the first one is about funding. Someone who is older is probably long since graduated from initial or even secondary rehab training. And I wonder how easy it is to get funding to improve one's orientation and mobility skills. And my other question, which I think you just answered, but um, I wonder how much O&M has changed in 40 years. When I was in college and I had my first O&M, um, you were supposed to never um, use your vision. If you had any low vision, you were supposed to pretend you didn't. Um, and then uh, when I had younger kids, about 20 years later, uh, it was okay to use your vision. And there were marshmallow tips. Um, and now I guess there are all kinds of apps for, uh, for uh, finding your way. Um, I have not used a cane for 20 years, when I, which is when I got my first guide dog. But it looks like I'm going to have to be waiting for a guide dog for a while right now. Um, so um, I'm just wondering about the funding question and what kind of new things I might be able to expect. Okay, that's great. Thank you for bringing those questions up. Um, I'll start with how has O&M changed? Um, I've only been in the field for about total seven years. Um, but I can say that, yes, we do encourage clients who have some visions. We want them to use that. Um, the cane is really verifying what their vision may see. Um, and yes, there's a lot of new apps that we, we do incorporate sometimes into instruction, um, which is really useful for route planning and, um, you know, being, getting familiar with a new location. Uh Um, and then public transportation. I mean, um, there's, we have so much in the Bay area. Uh, Caltrain, BART, Muni, Samtrans, VTA. Um, and there's a lot of navigation within that to learn. Um, and there's a lot of, lot of apps out there that are useful. Um, Caltrain has been great at, you know, being pretty accessible. Um, supporting assistance areas, um, lots of tactile markers, um, audio, ticket machines, Right. Um, you live in a you live in an O and M capital of the world, but not all of us do. Very lucky. Yes, yes, I understand. It's not like that everywhere. Um, and then, in terms of funding, um, Department of Rehabilitation is a good place to start for funding. And it depends on the county that you live in. Um, here in the Bay Area, especially in San Mateo County, Santa Clara County, um, we're lucky to have Title VII funding. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, includes people um, 55 and older, um, along with some smaller grants here and there. Um, so, yeah, it really depends on on where you're at. Thank you so much. I appreciate your answer. Thanks. Thank you, Penny. Um, yeah. Pam Coffey, you may unmute. Yes. Um, I am not what you would classify as low vision. I'm totally blind, have been all my life. 
did have a little bit of light perception. It's not as good now as now that I'm getting older. Uh, but, uh, oh, oh, and I live in what might be best described as an O&M wasteland. <laughs> very, very little public, public transportation is unreliable at best. And if you don't live in certain areas of town, you can't even get paratransit. So oh, wow. obviously I don't. But my question has to do with a, a little, well, it's, it's based on something that happened to me, but I'm not going to phrase it that way. Uh, the way I'm going to phrase it is, what do you do, how do you address a situation when a client sets a goal, they want to be able to walk from their home to uh let's say a park a little you know a little park or or a a little market or grocery store or whatever mm-hmm. okay do you ever is there ever a point when you have to tell a client that it there is simply no safe way for them to walk from point A to point B, where they really want to go, simply because they can't see what's out there. Sure. Um, Yes. Um, I mean, yes and no. (laughs) It's not as clear as, um, you know, we would hope it to be. Yeah. Um, So yes, and that if it's a really dangerous route and high risk, you know, uh-huh. even if that's the only way out of their house, you know, yeah. to the nearest location, uh-huh. um, we have to make those recommendations. And sometimes that is no. Um, sometimes it's a yes and a no together mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it might be okay at certain times of day or on weekends. Um, yeah. All we can do is explain the risk involved in that. And it's up to the client to determine if that's a risk they're willing to take. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's something where I personally feel that it's not ever going to be safe or it, it's too high risk for this yeah. client. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I will have to say no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was in a situation yesterday where I used to be able to walk this route I mean, it was reasonably safe, but with the pandemic, you know, I'm not getting out much. And this, where I needed to go is only, it only operates in the summer. And so, uh, and one day a week at that. So um, I was trying to get there yesterday and I don't know what they've done to the traffic signals, but I waited, I'm sure 20 minutes at least waiting for the traffic to die down enough where I would feel safe crossing that street. And it never happened. I had to come back home. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. That must be really frustrating. It is. Thank you, Pam. Thank Thank you. you, Can I just, I'm going to jump in with a question um, with these GPS and all the technology that's going on. I'm curious as to where you see services like IRA fitting in in the O&M world in general? Sure. Um, I, it's a tool. 
And it's just another tool to have in the toolbox, as we like to say. Um, so it's uh, these tools, um, when it, I don't recommend them being the primary mode of um, it's it's to be used um, in certain situations um, in situations where you're in a safe location, you're not crossing streets. Um, it might be to use in a shopping center if you're trying to locate a specific store or um, looking for a specific address or just getting an overview of what's around you. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're great. I think um, they're really good to have as part of the overall toolbox in Owen and Ringo. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad I'm glad to hear that, actually. I think, it, it, you know, having a toolbox is always good. You just need to know when to use which tool. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Thank so you. Let me, sorry, Sheila. Do you want to? Can you? That's our next caller, go. please. <laughs> go ahead, me, Before we go on to the next one, um, there's been a lot of discussion um, among you know professionals and especially among you know uh, blind individuals about what the world is going to look like in terms of you know mobility, in terms of sighted guide. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, after the pandemic is over, when that yeah. is ever going to be, um, what do you think about all that? Should uh, you know, people are like, you know, I, I'm afraid to touch anybody. I'm afraid that they'll be uh, upset by my asking. Uh, what What is your thought on on that? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I don't know what it's going to be like. Honestly, um, I could see all sorts of different scenarios happening. Um, and I think it's really difficult to say in terms of O&M, because like I said earlier, it's best delivered as a direct service for multiple reasons. Um, and, you know, to be, to have effective training, sometimes, um, many times, sighted guide needs to be used. Um, I mean, among other things, Uh yeah, it, it's really going to depend on the client's level of, you know, how comfortable are they? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Yeah, I, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, see, I think uh, I think that's a common answer. We're living yeah. in a world of, of such great change right now that people are a little confused and and, mm-hmm. uh, and almost inhibited to some degree because they you know, don't want to, you know, upset others around them. So it's a tough issue to deal with. I don't know. There may be others out there in this audience right now who may want to, you know, comment on that very point. I would love to hear. Go ahead. All right. No, we have five more calls ahead of us. Yeah. Connie. One of them will be it. Connie Bateman, you may unmute. Hi. Hi, Connie. Thank you for doing this call. So I had i've been in lots of different worlds okay i've had o&m instruction as a low vision child and as a low vision adult and then about 11 years ago i lost all of my remaining vision and i was still working and i wanted to continue working but i had to take two buses to get to work and it was getting scary because my vision was getting so bad that i was stumbling off of curbs I was using a cane by that point, but 
mm-hmm. didn't really know how to use it properly. Okay. So um, I had um, such poor vision that I, after a while I couldn't even see the school building. So I called or contacted the Department of Rehabilitation. I got my case reopened and I told the counselor, my goal is employment retention. I would like to continue working, which means I need to learn how to take these two buses to work mm-hmm. so I can continue working. And I asked specifically for an O&M instructor who I worked with before when I had low vision because I knew him and he was contracted at the time to work with rehab. Mm-hmm. So I did connect it with him. Now, the first thing, so I can tell you, having firsthand experience, that there is a huge difference between having O&M instruction as a child and, and, and as an adult. Mm-hmm. The first thing he had to do was get me out of the door because I was so scared. Uh, well, actually, he did baby steps, okay? First, he said, all right, let's stand here in the kitchen and let me see your cane technique. All right, you're arcing more on your left, on your right than your left. And I said, that's because when I had functional vision, I had sight in my left eye, um, some sight in my left eye and no sight in my right eye. So what I did for years was I arched more strongly on the right side, on the blind side, and used my functional vision on the left side. And that worked very well for many years. Mm-hmm. But then I went from being having functional vision to becoming functionally blind. And it was there were just so many more challenges with that because you know, you have to use proper cane technique, you have to pay attention where you're going, you have to maintain a straight line of travel, use tactile auditory cues, um, you know, no more uh, visual cues or landmarks, and Mm -hmm. it presented a lot of new challenges. So, but I was very fortunate that I had lots of experience dealing with the Department of Rehabilitation, and I already had connections with the blind community. So I had some peer support as well. And I mean, that, that's had, a great, great comment. Can you try and summarize in about another minute? Only because we have about four. Yes, more I realize that. I realize. Okay. And and on top of that, I was a teacher of the visually impaired before that. Um, so what do you do with people who don't necessarily have experience working with rehab or don't have the peer support from the blind and visually impaired community? How do you work with those folks? Thank you. Sure. Thanks, Connie. Um, so we do work with our clients to get them set up with DOR. We have a really great relationship here in the Bay Area with our DOR counselors. Um, so we work actually um, pretty closely with them. Um, and, and so I understand I'm very lucky. I know that's not the case everywhere in the country. Um, so, it, it, yeah, it kind of depends on um, the um, centers near you? Do they have a, a great relationship with their DOR, local DOR? Um, but here, yeah, like we're able to really connect our clients with those counselors um, and get that started. Um, and then your other question, um, uh, could you remind me quickly of what that was? I'm sorry. I think she muted herself. So I don't, I don't think there yeah, really was I one. Think was. I think, I think that was good. Oh, <laughs> So Wait, can you, can you still hear me? Yeah, I remember it was about um, providing support with other peers. Peer support. Um, yeah, peer support. So we have a lot of that already set up. Um, we connect them. We have social rec- we have recreation, a recreation group that hikes, kayaks, um, does all kinds of things. 
Um, right now that's on hold. We have support groups, we have tech uh, groups, um, all kinds of things. So we really try to incorporate that, um, you know, as a holistic approach. Great. Thank you. Okay. The next question comes from someone with the last 43001. Please unmute yourself. Hi, my name is Kathy Lyons, and uh, my vision is similar to RP. All my life, I traveled using vision. And then when the field got smaller, then I started using the cane so I wouldn't trip on the curbs. Well, more recently, I only have light perception. So all these things I used to see to navigate, I can't see them anymore. And um, I'm between guide dogs at the moment. And I haven't gone many places during COVID because I'm thinking if I get out and I can't find my house, then what do I do? Mm -hmm. Any suggestions? (laughs) I probably should sign up for O&M for one thing. (laughs) So you're feeling just stuck basically right now. Um, Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, if you have, do you have access to paratransit in your area? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we have, I think it's a pretty good system in Buffalo. Um, the, there's a bus, a major north-south inter, um, thoroughfare that I can use to go downtown or wherever. And I have paratransit as well. And so um, as far as getting places, but I'm on the list to get a new guide dog. Okay. And I'm thinking that before I do that, I ought to go out with somebody and see if I can navigate by myself before I try to do it with the dog. Yeah, we, I mean, we definitely encourage our clients to work with an O&M specialist for a while before applying for a guide dog. We want to make sure those cane skills are really strong, um, especially orientation and intersection crossing skills, um, because sometimes the dog might be having a bad day or, you know, um, can't work for whatever reason and you have you need to be able to rely on your uh cane skills for that and not only that um working with an own specialist can help you feel more comfortable going out on your own Mm -hmm. what are some of the skills involved in orientating orienting (laughs) um so using cardinal directions um cardinal is in north south east west getting used to using using those, um, recognizing different landmarks. So those could be auditory or tactile landmarks. Um, (coughs) Strategies that can help you if you do get lost. So again, like assessing the situation, listening for familiar landmarks, assessing assessing how far you've traveled um, and, you know, not panicking, asking for public assistance. Um, there's many strategies that we, um, we try to in- include. Thanks very much. And it was good to hear from you, Kathy. Um, we still have several calls, and she'll be letting you know who's next. I know it's going to be the, uh, someone from Maine. Um, <laughs> but can we just try to keep them as brief as we possibly can? We still have five more calls, and we have less than 10 minutes. Okay, anybody would be the timekeeper, but somebody has to do it. Amen. Um, all right, you have last three zero five four. You may unmute. Yes, this is Carol. Is this me? Yes, ma'am. Yes. 
Hi. Thank you. Yes, real quick. Um, just a comment more than anything else. Thank you for this um, discussion. Very, um, I have some vision, but I'm slow, slowly deteriorating. And so I'm, a, I, I'm much more, have to become much more aware of, of using, uh, not being quite so quick. But uh, just a, a comment um, that in the years, and I did have um, training, uh, well, work, uh, O&M training, et cetera. But one of the things that was the most important awareness for me was not how I used the cane, but how important holding, having a cane was in telling the rest of the world, this woman can't see. Very true. And I didn't. And it, it was, uh, it opened a wonderful door. And many people said, oh, no, but I don't want people to know I'm, you know, blind, blah, blah, blah. I said, but you don't have to say anything when you're carrying a cane. And that was a yep. wonderful gift, a, re- a freeing gift for me. People Great stopped, Thank you, open doors. You're very welcome. And that's it. And thank you all. Thank you. Thank you, Okay. Someone with an iPhone and I don't see a number, you may unmute. Hi, this is uh, Chris Bell. Um, I am I am a uh, member of a small group of people with retinopathy prematurity that can't find our way out of a paper bag. And I'm with and, you there. Uh, I know you are. I heard you. And uh, <laughs> so, and, and for me, I, I've got a learning disability. I have no spatial relations. I get lost on my own house. So orientation mm-hmm. is is impossible uh, for me, literally. Uh, because I never understand where my body is in space. My brain just doesn't process that. So I'm required to use things like IRA um, even in crossing a street because I won't cross the street straight. I mean, I, I'll go all over the place. Uh, and I, so I need IRA to tell me, you know, am I, am I, am I headed towards the curb or have I veered off? Um, and I have a guide dog that is a route dog. Basically, my guide dog does 70% of the work. And I start on a route, and she gets me to where I want to go. And then we turn around when I'm done, and we come back, and she's doing most of the the uh, turning and whatnot because she's trained to do that. I can't I can't tell whether I'm turning or not. So I'm wondering if you've dealt with those kind of situations before. Many, some. Um, so one comment I I thank you so much for your comments um, on that, and um, thank you for bringing that up. Um, you know, I, I don't normally, when I'm teaching clients who might be varying a lot during street crossings, um, I usually recommend asking for public assistance if that's available. I understand that that's not always available. Um, and I don't normally, it depends, but I don't usually not recommend using IRA during the street crossing only because I would prefer my clients to be um, l- listening as much as possible to the, what's going on around them um, because the IRA operator is not able to determine what's going on, you know. Yeah, I get it. I, in, my, so, in my case, I can't so tell. Just, a, just I mean, one uh, quick comment, if I could, Chris. Valerie, yeah. um, IRA actually changed their policy, which, right. which is a great change. I don't use it for crossing streets too much either. But occasionally I do. And IRA used to not provide any information when you were crossing the street. But they have changed their policy such that if you are veering in a bad way, they will at least tell you. 
if you ask them, if you have to ask them in advance to give them that feedback. Uh, That's really interesting. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. I I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Next next question is from Casey. You may unmute. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. I got um, two questions. Um, One is um, I'm on a city task force in Grand Rapids regarding reopening. Um, Some of the things they're talking about, of course, in the Midwest, it gets cold in the winter, so outdoor dining isn't necessarily the easiest thing to do. So they're talking about putting walls up in the outdoor spaces and heaters, big heaters. Mm. They're also talking about putting support, uh, 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 self-supporting portable businesses in a convention center. So as a totally blind person on this task force from a mobility perspective, what I'll ask this question. What should I be looking for? What should I be promoting or advocating to, to have happen? Wow, that's a really great question. Um, oh, I know. I feel like this COVID era is really complicating many, many, many things. Um, you know, I would say, I, I obviously, you know, outdoor dining is presenting a lot of problems. It's changing the routes a lot. It's adding more obstacles and hazards. Um, so that's definitely a challenge that a lot of cities are going to have to look at. Um, it's really interesting to hear that they may be kind of putting everything in a convention center and, you know, navigating through that um, has its own challenges. Um, you know, that's, that's a hard question. I would say, you know, making sure there's a, a, line, a open pathway um, so that um, cane users and guide dog users are able to navigate safely through these areas. Um, you know, that's really important. Um, yeah. Sorry, I can't be of more help. In area. My other, and my other question has to do on a general basis. A lot of these agencies that serve the blind that are, are not connected to the rehab programs that the states provide, um, low vision is a high priority. And the totally blind, if they don't scrap, get left out. Even in mobility, it's hard for elderly or older people to get mobility because of the older, older blind program and its limitations. Uh-huh. What should the totally blind community be advocating for to make sure we don't get left out in the services that these agencies are providing? Well, Casey, I would only say to you that a lot of low vision people get left out, too, because there just simply aren't enough people to serve everybody. What we really need to be advocating for is more money and more programs to teach more folks like Valerie to provide those services. So that's really the problem. It's a problem for all of us. Okay, you have another question from Kathy. You may unmute. Thank you, Casey. this will have to be our last question. Yes, ma'am. Hi. Um, I just would like to say that, in my opinion, people are being too uptight about sighted guide. I think that if both people are wearing a mask and, you know, you're you're using um, good judgment, you know, you're not, you know, you're not walking sighted guide for hours and hours on end. I think that it's still a useful tool and I don't think people should shy away from it. Well, thank you for that comment. And with that, I'm afraid we're going to have to uh, kind of wrap it up. I'd like to ask um, Valerie if you have any final thoughts that you'd like to uh, impart to us tonight. 
Um, well, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. Um, I love talking about orientation and mobility. It's my passion and, um, I'm always happy to answer questions. Um, if anything comes up, um, and thank you all for your great comments and questions. Um, I really enjoyed this. Well, thank you ever so much for doing this this evening. It's I, I know I've learned a lot, and I've been <laughs> I've always had low, low vision, um, but mine's getting lower and lower, and I'm starting to use a cane myself these days. Um, and I've really appreciated this, and I think many of the people on our call tonight have, if not all. And um, with that, Jeff, do you have any final comments? No, I just want to thank Kathy as well, uh, Valerie as well. <laughs> I've, I've learned uh, a lot myself. So this has been a great call, and I appreciate all of you who joined us and who, you know, provided your questions and comments. Well, thank you all. And I want to thank Sheila for uh, hosting for us and Doug for putting us on ACB Radio Community. And, of course, uh, Valerie has been invaluable value invaluable valerie <laughs> and um jeff i've thoroughly enjoyed doing this with you and aavl and i am looking forward to our uh next call um, in Absolutely. september and i just want to let people know that next week's call is going to be looking at finances and and our financial futures and some of you may have heard our uh, presenter next week uh, at during the ACB convention. He did a presentation and he's coming and you can ask questions and then we're going to do a part two a few, uh, I want to say September 10th, but I'm not certain that that's the date um, with, that he's coming back with any answers that he doesn't have next week. Um, we also have a few other pretty exciting things going on. I think we're going to be doing a session um, within the next month with um, on guide dog schools and uh, seniors with guide dogs, seniors getting guide dogs. Um, I think that's kind of going to be maybe a part two of this series, of this, uh, of this show this evening. But I want to thank you all. And one other announcement I just wanted to say, I know I've been telling people that I would send out um, the recordings of these shows. And I have, <clears throat> excuse me, I have uh, got somebody who has helped me make a commitment that they will all be ready by September 1st. Hopefully before that, but definitely by that. And we have a new email address for anyone who does want to let me know any particular show that you want a recording of or if you have any ideas for shows. And that's an email address that's T-A-F-P. It used to stand for the alternate format prose, but it's an email address that I have that also happens to stand for Terry and Frank Pacheco. It's a nice easy one. It's T-A-F-P at Verizon.net. So anything that we can do to um, come up with some new ideas for these shows or um, if you want any of the recordings of the previous shows, I will have them all ready for you to be able to download to your own computers or to go online and listen to by September 1st. And with that, I want to thank you all again for this evening 
and look forward to speaking with all of you again next Thursday night at seven o'clock for visibilities. Thank remember, you, Terry. We all have visual. We are all visually impaired seniors with abilities. And good night.